0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Filius Club. Do you know what this show is? Well, first of all, it's uh, supported by Patreon. So if you like the show and you're not already a patron at patreon.com slash Club, which you should be, uh, you know, if you can, that would be awesome. Uh, then go to patreon.com slash Club and consider becoming a patron. And um, if you don't know how to type that URL, you can go to the show notes and it's right there waiting for you. So that's the th- the first thing. The second thing is what the show exactly is. Uh, we get people from different countries, different culture, different cultures, different backgrounds, and we get together and we talk about the state of the world and how we see it with our different eyes, I guess. Um, however, It's not what we're doing today, because every other show we do a special where we talk about one specific topic, one specific place, one specific culture. And uh, today it's it's a specific issue, I guess, which Wendy Dunford is going to help me explore. Hello, Wendy. How's it going?
1: Hi. Good. Good. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm always so happy when you're here because you're so much uh, smarter than me that uh, (laughs) letting you speak Elevates my my, uh, my perceived intelligence, so that is uh, wow, positive nice. for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, do my best. <laughs> so I said I'm, I'm going to. Tr- uh, you're going to help me explore a topic, but really, you're the professional and the expert, and uh, I don't know anything about it. So you're really going <laughs> to explain to me, um, and we're going to talk about toxic relationships. Um, that, that's not the type of discussions we usually have. I think usually we try to talk about a country or a religion or a political movement, these kinds of things. Um, but for some reason, I thought, you know, I've been thinking about this topic for ever since Trump was elected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because... You said something about that, and we're not going to talk about that, but it had to do with toxic relationships, and I thought that was a topic we should explore further, and it stuck with me. And three years later, and a kid uh, uh, extra, an extra kid in the world...
1: Your life has changed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, And you know what? maybe it has to do with that. Maybe I feel the first year of my relationship with this child was uh, somewhat toxic. It,
1: it took Actually. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, thank yeah. God it's cute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Totally. So I guess, um, first of all, can you introduce yourself? I, I know most listeners uh, of this show, most regular listeners probably know uh, who you are and what you do. But for those who might not, can you tell us a little bit of uh, your background?
1: Yes. So my name is Wendy Dunford. I live in the United States of America now. I was in Sweden, which made me much more interesting. And now I'm back to being boring. (laughs) Um, And I am a licensed clinical social worker. And I, which is, there's lots of different uh, psychotherapist terms, right? Um, And I'm a psychotherapist and I work with couples and families and adolescence is as young as I'll get because I have children. I don't want to talk to more children. Um, <laughs> but now I have teenagers, so I don't want to talk to them either. So mainly adults at this point. Um, and I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, my connection to you is through my brother who needs a bunch of psychoanalysis. And so <laughs> I, uh, I help him out on Thursdays on his morning show, uh, Therapy Thursdays. So that's been my connection to you and so, yeah, and I I, uh, you can find me online in a couple different places and we can talk about that. But, you know, uh, one of my main focuses ultimately in doing this, first of all, it's very uncomfortable for me. It's gotten better. I love that you've had me on to talk about politics because I could do that all day long for fun and not feel like I have to know too much. And that's <laughs> nice. Um, whereas this stuff is a little trickier because it is uh, it, it it comes so naturally because this is what I do and I know a lot about it. Um, but it is so private, right? It's, you know, my my whole um, occupation and my industry, you know, confidentiality is so crucial to what we do. And so to talk about it openly, I find very strange. Sometimes I've gotten used to it over the years, but um, because it is so private, and this topic in particular really hits at the core of each of us. So when you have these discussions with your people all around the world about politics and religion and you know, sort of things outside of their homes, um, you know, that stuff matters. And it's amazing and interesting and often scary or whatever. But everything starts at home.
0: Mm. <laughs> and so
1: I feel like we get to the core of that. And that that's, uh, it's a challenge for everyone everywhere, it, regardless of culture. There's there's nuances, of course. um, But it is it's a powerful place to start. So anyway, I'm yeah, fascinated I- by this as well.
0: I think this is actually um we're going to get into it don't don't worry yeah. but there's um uh, something really interesting in what you're saying there because talking about politics and religion which are perceived difficult topics I think on this mm-hmm. show maybe more the more so than on other venues we managed to talk about it in a relatively um relaxed and comfortable way mm-hmm. but so it's not like it's perceived difficult but I think it's not that uncomfortable but when we start talking about topics like these like toxic relationships or more intimate stuff that's where the actual uncomfortableness uh steps in even if you're not directly involved in anything like that it becomes a little bit like how should I react what should I say like it's it's much more obviously it's much more personal for everyone involved so maybe we can start by defining I I think we all know more or less we have an idea of what toxic a toxic relationship is but maybe you can tell us um, more precisely um, what that is technically
1: yeah and we can we can go into sort of some directions and you can guide me because it's literally a bottomless pit that we could uh, address but um, a toxic relationship as a general rule if you think about anything toxic right it's poisonous it's it's typically slowly poisonous right Mm. um you know you're not going to just eat a giant block of a heavy metal and die immediately you're going to slowly accumulate heavy metals through your drinking water or whatever so it's that toxicity is a slow moving thing and and that's true in relationships um so often you meet someone you date someone you're falling in love with someone you're pretty blind to everything. And it's, it's sort of meant to be that way. It's what helps us, you know, as a species propagate the species. We wouldn't (laughs) otherwise, if we had full vision of how weird this person was, it probably would never work. Right. So (laughs) this, this blindness is pretty powerful and, and, and valuable, but it lasts about in in most relationships, it lasts about three to 18 months of just sort of the bliss honeymoon phase. Right. So just
0: enough to have, a lot of sex and make sure you make babies if you're in the wild (laughs) yeah okay (laughs)
1: exactly because there's no point after that right so then it's it's when that sort of dies away it's when you know sort of him squeezing the toothpaste from the middle starts to make you feel insane or you know (laughs) that type of stuff starts to to come along and in law troubles and all the things sort of show up and No longer does it feel like uh, you can conquer the world and love is all you need. And so then you have to access a bunch of different skills and um, make a relationship work. And then you add the actual human, as you know, and that is a whole nother playing field of how do we stay connected and together when we have this little monster trying to tear us apart, right? So that is tricky. And so the, you know, normal, challenging, everyone's sort of dealing with these types of things. What happens with toxic relationships is there's elements that get introduced. Sometimes they're there on the first date and, and they're obvious, you just don't see them. Um, often they sort of creep in. Because, you know, you think about an abuser. If if someone in an abusive relationship met that person today, they wouldn't date them. They wouldn't marry them. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't start there. It starts with sort of slow, typically emotional um, types of things, psychological types of things. Eventually you can get to the physical violence. And today I'm going to steer pretty clear of the physical Violence because it's it's actually not as harmful as these other things, and ninety percent of ninety nine percent of physical violence includes all these other things we're going to talk about the emotional mm. and psychological stuff. So it's slow. it it comes on. and when you start to see and notice some things uh, going wrong in a relationship, here's where the relationship itself becomes toxic is the partner who is being abused or mistreated starts to behave in certain ways that um, to protect themselves and or to denial or to keep things going that create a cycle where now this toxicity is back and forth between the two people. Um, and so we can get into more specific so, so wait a second do you mean,
0: do you mean back and forth the relationship becomes toxic for both people or it's? Yes. Oh that's interesting yes. because the way the way I I imagine toxic relationships there is the abuser and the abusee uh, the abused person I I'm guessing that's still the archetype but it it's toxic for both.
1: Well and let's maybe define this a little separately. There's mm. abusive relationships where it really is like like you're saying. This is okay. what most people think of right there is the one abuser trying to control and manipulate the victim and and yes that is. But this as this is more generalized as toxic relationships goes. i've mm. I've seen this many times in my practice and and you've seen it <laughs> you've seen it in the popular media too, where there are two people who are abusive to one another. There is a is sort of a cy- cyclical dance that they do. Um, I'm trying to think of maybe a famous one we all know of.
0: Mm. Um, no, but it, I but, see what you mean. it's it it's. Yeah. It's certainly something that we can... uh, I'm sure we all have, either in our own history or in in our um, surroundings, a a couple that we think, you know, those two, they might even be in love, but they're just not good for one another, and it's uh, difficult for both. Uh, Actually, let me ask you this before we we continue. Are toxic relationships... I'm guessing no, but are they exclusively um, uh, romantic relationships or, or can it be, uh, you know, parent and, and children or, I don't know, are there other type, like work relationships? I don't know, any kind of relationship or is it like yes. predominantly? Yes, it can be anything. Uh,
1: absolutely, it can be any place. I mean, the romantic relationships, we, we have the most sort of uh, expertise on and data on and we know more how to handle those because we're already working with marriages and partnerships that, you know, have challenges and just have your normal flaws or hiccups or communication problems. Right. Plus we've got the the whole arena of where it is abusive. Um, So we've spent a lot of energy and time on romantic relationships, Mm, but this type of behavior of course can exist everywhere. So the, the parent child one is another one we, we, we have well documented documented because that's often where some of this begins. so I, I'm gonna start with how this sort of ever happens, right mm. um, so uh, y- not- you might you're oh, go probably ahead.
0: gonna get into this, but I do have a, a, a question that might uh, tell yeah. me if you're gonna get to it, but it, it, we didn't quite define uh, when a relationship goes from you know it's just annoying because they eat cereal you know from the <laughs> from the box. to actual toxic like because i'm sure everyone knows people who who annoy one another and who are a little bit uh uh yeah annoying but that that's a different step so if you're gonna get to it just you know um... yeah
1: i will i will in fact let's let's just talk about a little bit of what what would be included in a toxic relationship and there's degrees of toxicity so maybe that's a helpful way to think of it as grades of this right so you could have a boss who just sort of backhand compliments to you. like, wow, you did a really good job on this better than last time. You know, like there's always like a, mm. a, a dig or a something right that no one wants to be around that. That doesn't feel good, but you're now wanting to please that person a little more or you start to feel a little trap. I mean, you can have these in smaller doses in various relationships. So we can go from that with a boss that you just think, well, I'm going to get a new job. He's annoying. Um, and that can get more and more toxic the longer you stay, et cetera, all the way to you've been married for a good amount of time and this person is gaslighting you, which we'll talk about gaslighting at some point, so don't worry, um, I'll define that term, or physically abusive or psychologically, you know, abusive. So it runs the gamut and it can be kind of all over the place. So let's let's talk and, about and when what when you have that, those,
0: are. those low levels, um, yeah. you say you know over time it becomes worse even if the levels don't increase kind of it weighs on you i'm guessing yeah. in 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 a way that makes it even as something that you know if someone witnesses this it's like oh you know he's an ass but you're not going to lose sleep over it but if you've been into that receiving that kind of uh, uh, you know even minor quote unquote abuse for 3 years maybe it becomes an actual like a, a genuine problem that affects you? That's that's what you mean? Okay. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, as people listen to this, what, if they're not in a toxic romantic relationship, they'll think, well, this doesn't apply to me. But as we talk, you'll start to notice, oh, I had a, I had a boss like that. Oh, Mm. that friend from high school. Oh yeah. She did those things. Or even an old relationship that you eventually got out of. And now you have, you're a little more clear headed about it. You can say, oh yeah, there were some things in there that weren't great. So, so I want everyone to write on your piece of paper. I'm sure you're all taking notes. Um, power. (laughs) So power is very central to all of, all of this. So every relationship, there is a power differential and dynamic that's happening, right? So a, a, a couple who's a little more equal in their power, they're both really into the other one. They both, um, Feel, you know, like their lives are going good and they share the chores and the daycare, and you know, like things feel pretty equally equal in power. And we would call that. You know, a pretty healthy, balanced relationship.
0: Whew. Now, navigating nice. that. I felt you were easy. you were describing my wife and me, and I was like, "But actually, I was waiting for the, <laughs> the other two to drop." No, okay, I'm it right. healthy.
1: Cool. That's healthy and normal. Like it shouldn't be perfect by any shot. Of course. But there's navigating, and and developmentally, the relationship changes, and then you add kids, and they change, and so it's it's some flexibility and sharing power, right? Mm. Um, and so when we get to any toxic relationship you got to ask yourself, what's what's happening with the power? So let's stick with the boss employee power dynamic for a second. And this is often where uh, women in the workforce have a particular challenge when it's, oh, you know, you know how I love to make fun of white dudes. So white dudes with power (laughs) and that power dynamic that they're just used to, they think it's like air, it's automatically theirs, how that runs into some challenges with an employee who threatens that power or an employee
0: Uh, just to to expand just a tiny bit on this when you say it feels like you know it's just like air i the way i understand it maybe you you can tell me if that's what you mean they don't feel it's a power dynamic it's just how things work without you know and i I, and i wonder if sometimes i i guess sometimes it feels bad when you're being told there is this uh uh type of power dynamic that is inherent to our society because you don't feel it's a power dynamic. That's just how things are. Right. Okay. All right. I'm not. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're exactly right. And so you, you take, and this is where, I mean, we're, we're using non-romantic for a second. We'll get to what Mm. that looks like, but is suddenly there is a, a threat to your power and whatever that, you know, the, before it was just a given, I have the power and now I have to hire a woman and a person of color, and I'm told I'm the bad guy, I mean, a shift in how everyone's seeing this is I, I a think, threat to that power.
0: Yeah, I, I think I have to hire a woman or a person of color. It feels like most people wouldn't have a problem with this. Like, maybe the the argument like, oh, I want to hire the best person for the job, not the person who's that or that. I understand that part. But I'm told I, I'm the bad guy. I completely understand that it feels bad, right? It's like. Yeah. I yeah. didn't do anything like I just right. here. And yeah. Okay. Right.
1: Right. And and there's those who just see this, you, you know, that don't have a problem with this at all because the power, the power, they don't have a need for the power. Right. Mm-hmm. They have a need to lead and they have a need to, you know, do what's right by the company or whatever the dynamic might be. There's lots of good versions of people doing this, but this version in particular. Mm-hmm. So you take let's just say there's a guy named Jim and that's how he's feeling. He's feeling like he's losing his power. Who knows what's going on at home? He goes to work and there's somebody that just triggers that feeling of maybe it's insecurity or something gets triggered and you need to show your power. Now, back in the day, maybe you just fire someone or you throw something. I don't know what you could do back in the day, smoke in your office, whatever. But now (laughs) what can you do? And there it's sort of this sort of subtle, but, um, it's behavioral activities that eventually lower the, make sure you have your power and lowers the other person's power. So for example, so there's a couple categories here and this applies to all relationships, but we're going to stick with the boss for a second. So humiliation, negating or criticizing. So if you think about human beings, we need to know we're okay. We need to know that we're liked. We need to know that we're safe, those kinds of things, right? So it's very fundamental to being a human. And so, There is a huge taking of power when we call someone a name or there's even subtle forms of that. Calling someone a pet name, like a derogatory hinting, you know, little, little joke, you know,
0: like what? Can you give an example?
1: Um, maybe uh, here's a dumb one that I'd read when I was getting ready for this, but just like you're my little knuckle dragger or my chubby pumpkin, like some kind Mm. of, it's supposed to be cute. It's supposed to be, in theory, and so the receiver is insulted and complimented at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like I got a the compliment.
0: People. They paid attention to me, but at the same time, it's not the best exactly. version of what that could be, and it makes you feel a little weird or worse.
1: Right. And so, and, and I'm going to get to how we know, I will tell you the ways to know that this is happening to you. Um, but usually it's that you are you feel off, wrong, like, what, Ugh, that didn't... And mm. now the power is, your boss just called you a kind of rude pet name, but you're confused. So, what do you do with it?
0: So what if, I'm coming at this from the angle of the dumb person, as always, yeah. but <laughs> what if the boss calls you something, you know, uh, cute, genuinely wanting to be, you know, to do something adorable, and the person on the receiving end doesn't feel bad about it. It's like, oh, you know, it's, it's cute. It's fun. That's that does that. Is that OK? I mean, maybe that's not in the scope of toxic relationships. It might be not OK in other ways. But if you're OK with the with being called that, then it's fine. Right.
1: Right. And here's the thing. How do you both know you're OK with it? You'll have to Mm. explicitly say, I like that nickname. Feel free to call me that. And Mm -hmm. the boss is like, "Okay, great. No power change (laughs) here. We're fine. You know, I mean, that's the problem is that Mm. there is incentive for the one with less power to fake that everything's fine, Mm -hmm. right, because they don't actually have the power. And it's easy for the person with the power to take absolute uh, well, just forget that they have the power Mm. and that them calling someone a pet name, which you would do to a child, is inherently a little derogatory. Now, you can say, oh, people are having fun. Well, if everyone agrees you're having fun, cool, you're having fun. But just the naming of something mm. um, that the, is, the
0: nature of the relationship makes it difficult yes. to be sure that everyone's having fun, I guess. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and this is where, you know, when people love to throw out reverse racism, right? That's mm-hmm. n- That's not a thing. It's not a thing... When you're not the group being who has been systematically uh, discriminated against, Mm. they you can't because of power,
0: right? That's that's often what when some people talk about reverse racism. What I like to say is like there a person like a black person can be racist towards a a white person or say something that is racist, but that doesn't make the system. Racist towards that group. The racism is about the minority being treated in a different way. So, yeah, right. Right.
1: Mm. And and so that's kind of the bigger picture of the power differential, right? Mm. And so that's the key here. If you are a boss to anyone, this is, it's a very lonely place to be in the end because even just, you know, what you're attempting to make is fun camaraderie is still a power differential that can get you in trouble get and and make the other people feel pretty crappy. So so okay, so we take that from like a low level thing. Obviously there's very toxic awful workplaces that this is much more serious, but we'll say there's sort of this innocent version of this, right? Um but again going back to our categories of humiliation, negating, criticizing, those are things of like joking, right? In quotes joking or sarcasm, insults about someone's appearance um, belittling an accomplishment, you know, pushing someone's buttons. There's so many versions of this thing and, and yelling and swearing at someone, calling them names. I mean, there's, there's, there's all the, all the things you can think of that are to put a person down and keep the power the way that person wants the power to be. Um, and then it leads us to a little more intense types of things like control and shame. So all of us have a sense of some control over our lives or elements of our lives. And we we also take that for granted until it's sort of challenged or taken away, right? And there is, and you may know this as a father, but your kid is so young, you're not maybe in the thick of this yet. But if you wanna control a child, it's incredibly easy. You just shame them. Mm. You make them feel bad for the thing that they did. You make sure they know you have the power at all times. And that kid will behave. Um, because he wants so badly for you to love him that he will do the things if you use shame. Now, I have a full-time job because that's how people have been raised. <laughs> mm-hmm. So please, no, please don't do this. <laughs> um, but it really is, it's really like the easiest so, form of control. Wh- wh- what's shame. the
0: what's the dynamic that this creates for the kid emotionally down the line?
1: Right, and here, that is an awesome question that leads to why we have adults continuing or that have toxic relationships is when you're a kid, if you're experiencing any kind of emotional psychological abuse, um, you're experiencing lots of shame, parents who have high control um needs. And what most kids do is they comply until their brain develops enough to the point where they realize they got to get out of there. So they'll rebel, they'll escape, they'll run away, you know, they'll do that or that can be one, like the, the real kid in there kind of breaks free at, at some point, or they comply, 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 and then they move on in their lives, and they seek out people who are controlling, mm. because they're very used to that feeling. Um, and this is where we have sort of cyclical generational um, abuse that sort of goes into the, everyone says, I will never be like my father or my brother or my dad or whatever or my mom, and then they find themselves married to someone who has similar types of things. And you're thinking, what, I, I how can I be here? And mm. some of it is we're just used to it, right? So if you're used to, and and people will have this in a workplace, they will have worked somewhere. They kind of know it's toxic. People are telling them like, I, are you sure you want to work there? And, Ooh. and then you change jobs and you cannot believe the cloud. Oh, you yeah. used to look Oh there. my God. The,
0: I've, I've seen this more than once. Right, right. And it's similar relationships. Mm. Sorry, go ahead. I no, I I just about what you were saying. I, I it reminds me of this uh, quote from uh, a wonderful movie called uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, um, where yeah. at some point for a specific reason, one of the characters tells the other, um, "We accept the love we think we deserve," mm-hmm. and that hit me like a ton of bricks. It, it was so revelatory as a concept that and i i think about it every you know every month at least once and it's such a right. beautiful thing but um
1: right no and that is a perfect uh, summation of what this is is mm-hmm. that if you were used to feeling only that you were only good enough if you were behaving just like they wanted you to mm. um or you know and and that kind of control and then if you didn't then you were A shame and the worst, and they couldn't, you know, it it feels like love. Now, when you're a kid, it's love or you don't love. It it doesn't get complicated for them. It's either I'm good enough and I'm loved or I'm not. Mm. And so, this is why it's so dangerous when this is happening to children. And then, when they grow up to be an adult, they have the same skill set. And, like you said, like they can only feel as much love as they believe they're allowed to have. Mm -hmm. And so, someone could come along and love them and would be healing and amazing and this wonderful, but they can't actually get there because the belief about themselves has been pretty hijacked as children. So this is sort of how it, it's, it, it can happen. Now, of course, there are the cases where you have this lovely childhood, not controlling parents, it's all good. And then you find yourself madly in love with someone. And it's, it's usually fast and furious at the beginning. And, you know, risky and all of the things and it's amazing and your brain's kind of damaged from all of that. And then some of the signs start to show up, um, Mm -hmm. of the abuse and you don't know what hit you. And I, this was not my childhood. Why am I here? Um, and so obviously there's other cases like that too, but very commonly there's a, a level of familiarity with the feeling. Um, maybe your parents were controlling or a little abusive. And so you don't quite see it. It's like the fish or the Crab being boiled in hot water, right? The
0: toad, the the frog. The toad, yeah. the
1: frog. That's what it is. That's right. Okay, so uh,
0: mm. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Keep going.
1: I was just going to continue a little bit with what to to pay attention to with control and shame. Just some of the techniques that abusers use and and can be part of toxic relationships is threats. So this is again trying to maintain power. So you threat threaten. Um, I will divorce you. I'll take the kids and disappear. I, I'll commit suicide if you leave me. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that threats just freeze the person, of course, right? They're they're not, they don't want you to take the kids. <laughs> they want you to kill yourself. So they're powerless and they stay kind of thing. Mm. Um, monitoring, monitoring your whereabouts, following, you know, making sure they know where you are at all times, spying on all your devices, sort of jealousy is
0: jealousy i have a big problem with jealousy like even mild mundane jealousy i find i don't know kind of repulsive (laughs) but uh it that might say more about me than it does about others (laughs) but (laughs) is is that also a sign of something yes
1: yes and and over jealousy like there's gonna gonna be things like oh you you were talking to that beautiful lady and i'm feeling a little jealous and you could talk about it and there would be like Oh, you have to worry, whatever. So normal, yeah. right? Jealousy is a normal human response of to course. a feeling of threat. Now, if it's extreme and you're jealous about everything, there that is obviously a problem. And mm-hmm. one way that sort of shows up is controlling of friends and family and contact. So another sign of um, that you're in an emotionally and psychologically abusive relationship is if your partner shrinks and shrinks and shrinks your social circle. I don't like those friends, or you shouldn't go out with her, or and starts to find, make sure everyone's an enemy, including family and friends and all the people that love you. And so, the more isolated you get, the more you need them, the more they have power.
0: The more you talk, the more I'm I'm realizing things that I somewhat knew already, but I can put names on uh, relationships that were different levels. Of toxic yeah. and not necessarily, you know, world-ending and not all uh, romantic relationships. But I've certainly experienced um, instances of, you know, friends or other relationships that were that were uh, um, kind of forcing these kinds of things in order mm-hmm. to assert their power because they. And I'm a little bit older now, so maybe I, I see it a little bit more. But back then, I mean, it's super clear that that was the issue, including the childhood traumas and all of that. So, yeah,
1: anyway, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone and I should have made a caveat at the beginning here. Some of this will trigger people. <laughs> so I apologize. Uh, and I, I'm going to
0: title the episode Toxic Relationships. So hopefully that do. will be clear. Okay, so they clear know. Enough, they yeah.
1: know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause it really is. And often we live in a space of sort of denial generally, right? Like we all get in our cars and drive, you know, hundred miles per hour on the freeway and are like, we should be terrified of that, but we have just gotten used to stuff. We're kind of mm-hmm. in a trance of like, we're fine until things come along and wake us up out of that. And so sometimes hearing somebody talking about these dynamics, you go, Oh, I'm in trouble. And you didn't know until you hear it. And so that's why we always have to do, you know, trigger warnings because triggering is popping someone's denial bubble a little bit and just showing them, wow, there's some things actually happening here. And so, you know, if you go online and just Google like signs of a a toxic relationship or signs of you are going to read all this and list all of these things, there's quizzes to take, there's all sorts of things if, if you are suspicious and don't know quite, what to do, start there, and then I'll get into what to actually do. And then I'm also going to get into how do we help someone we know who's in a, a, a troublesome relationship. Yeah,
0: I think that's that's a super important thing because, I mean, we'll get to it then, but obviously when you yeah. witness this, you feel powerless to help because it feels like nothing you do uh, uh, reaches that person.
1: Um, yes, and there are ways to reach them. Our natural inclinations are the worst things to do. And so you have okay. to really control what you naturally want to do, which is usually rescue and like kidnap yeah, exactly. them and hide them. And, you know, <laughs> you have to resist that stuff. And there's there's much better ways. So we will get to yeah. that. Um, so, but I do want to throw out a, a couple more triggers for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so lecturing, right? Long monologues about how you're wrong, Um direct orders, treating the other person like a child, telling them what to wear, what to eat, you don't like this about their body, you know, cr- creating a sense of I have the power and you need me to be okay. And way, mm. the way to keep that power is I'm going to point out your flaws, um, I'm going to hang up on you, I'm going to um, walk out, embarrass you, you know, just behaviors that essentially make you now focused on that person and keeping them happy because the results would be that you're you're going to lose something you're not good enough you know so you start to build this now you think oh we just went on a date and we really liked each other how do I get to this point well these things show up slowly usually um and they usually come one at a time and usually the first time people are a little bit like did you just hang up on me like you're a seven-year-old. Mm. <laughs> and then what do you do in that moment? Often, if, it depends on your skill set. If your skill set is, okay, well, I'll ignore that. I'll talk myself out of that. It was weird. Um, and uh, I, just, I guess it's yeah. easy to
0: think, you know, that was weird, but it's not like, you know, they didn't murder someone. They just hung up. Right. It's frustrating. Right. But And then they <laughs> right. will apologize. And I mean, obviously, I don't think you should end a relationship anytime anyone hangs up on you, I don't think. Uh, right. Well,
1: you should you should pay attention to it, though. And this right, is where it, it's the seed or it's nothing. Right. And so the the way you control this is you find out if it's a seed or if it's nothing, mm. meaning you say, hey, can we talk about that? You hung up on me like that's it's not OK. And what can we do differently? Like, how do we work this out? And you you know, and then here's where people sort of get in trouble is they wait about seven years of having mm. significant problems in their relationship before they seek help.
0: But so you're saying long. you're saying that someone hanging up on you because they're angry or frustrated or whatever is enough of a sign to think, to stop everything and say, dude, we need to talk about this. Or <laughs> do that, we need I, to talk about yeah, this. Yeah,
1: this sounds extreme, I realize. And I'll tell mm. you why. Because if that is now the new behavior, because mm. the first time they did it, Everyone just went, okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then the next time they did it, it's like, well, they won't do it again. And I'm just talking about hanging up. But this mm. is where it's the exact same thing when now he's hit me once. Well, he promises he'll well, never that, do it again.
0: That's the reason I'm I'm asking you, because to me, a uh, 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 Luddite in that uh, uh, domain, it's obvious that the now they've hit me once but uh, they won't do it again, is a clear sign. It's like we all know because of popular culture, it's been, you know, we've been bashed over the head with it so many times, we know this is not how it actually works. If they do it once, then, I mean, yeah, seek help. But <laughs> hanging up seems so much more mundane, going to, you know, supping everything and, and, and saying we need to talk about it. Because if they don't want to talk about it, are you saying you should cut off the relationship, stop the relationship over one... Person no. Hanging
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that, but I mm. am saying the psychology that applies when someone is hitting you. And I mean, there, there's every single woman on earth will say this out loud. I would never stay with someone who hit me.
0: Mm. Never. And yet.
1: So then why do the vast majority stay with someone who hits them? It's not because they're liars. It's because it took a million steps to get to the moment where he hit her. Mm. And those millions of steps are hanging up on me. Walking out of the restaurant, throwing a fit, um, you know, doing, yelling at me, giving direct. I mean, there's so much that goes to that moment. So by then, it's nearly impossible to walk away. Mm -hmm. And 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 the need for it to get better is so strong. And 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 again, you got to remember, there's other things happening, too. There's maybe um, you're now isolated, right? Um, He's he he or she most the time it's he to she, but it can go both ways. Absolutely. Is that you're isolated from family and friends and those people who would help you, you know, and maybe they're helping trying in certain ways that are and we can get into that. That's that isn't helpful. And so you are alone. So who do you need? Oh, you need this person. And this person's told you you're so crappy and that you're not worth anything and no one will love you. And you you believed it because the thing has been built already. So so let's go back to the hanging up on the phone. That's mm. just Impulsive and childish and grow up and figure out how to have some communication skills. Okay. It's not that big a deal, but what is powerful and preventative is you have not shown respect to the person you love. Right. And so to address it, right. Maybe you have a, you have a trigger finger with hanging up and you've been doing it for your lifetime. (laughs) You hung up on your mom and you hung up on your siblings and any, you know, you have a bad habit. So you're now in a relationship and you're frustrated and upset and you don't want to keep talking. You get flooded. So you hang up. So your partner, if your partner just goes, well, I guess that's who he is. Eventually it's eroding the respect that should be there. So by addressing it and just saying, can we talk about this and let's not let seven years go by where respect, the lack of respect builds and builds and builds, um, is important. Now, most people don't know they should do this or could do this. They just have this like, I'm just like you were saying with that quote from the the, the book or the movie is I deserve that. I did mm. say that or, you know, that's that mm. kind of game that starts to happen in your head. Like You,
0: you rationalize. Um, yeah. It's like, well, I was being this or that. And so of, it, I understand why they hung up on me. Yeah. Right? Mm.
1: Yeah. And I I'm hard to live with and you start to beat yourself up. And you know what it justifies their behavior and they they're like, "Yeah, you are hard to live with." And that's where the tango really starts to begin mm. is you're you're sort of tra- trapped in that. So I'm going to just read you some just 20 things that this is what psychological abuse looks like. And then I'll leave what this looks like and then we're going to talk about the person receiving it and what to do there. Mm. So Um, And you can stop me as I'm reading, but these are, these are forms of psychological abuse um, that I think sometimes people think some are just kind of normal or he's just had a bad day. So just, you know, hear it for what it actually is. So number one, humiliating or embarrassing you. And that may start in small ways and that grows more. Um, So any level,
0: like any level of embarrassing or humiliating someone, even meant as a joke and is part of that dynamic we were talking about with the bosses earlier. Okay. Yes.
1: And humiliating or embarrassing the person, like they're your target. Your your partner is your target, not I wore ugly socks and that embarrassed you. You know what I mean? Like Mm. it's, it's actively like finding a little bit of joy in making your partner feel bad. Mm. Right. So it has that element to it, not accidental or, you know, I didn't mean to do that kind of thing. Um, and then another one, number two, constant put downs. So it's it's the backhanded passive aggressive kinds of compliments sometimes are those or just you don't look good or why are you wearing that? Just often it's a comment about physical appearance, um, intellect, you're just not that smart, that type of thing. Mm. And you think about that. Why would you be in a partnership with anyone who would say those things to you? And the answer is, it doesn't start like that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It starts with all of the amazing things and then this comes eventually where you feel pretty garbage because they mm-hmm. put you down. Uh, so I, I, critis- I want to criticism. interrupt There's you for
0: just a second and ask, maybe this is too simple a question, like I'm, I'm being a simple person now, but... How guilty, because it sounds horrible that someone would do that, how, quote-unquote, guilty is the person doing it? Are they a victim of their own abuses from their childhood, which just doesn't necessarily diminish the, you know, gravity of what they're doing at the moment, but, like, is it act, active nastiness, active evilness, or uh, that's maybe a whole other episode, but...
1: No, that's a great question. And, and nobody thinks they're an abuser. This is right. what's I guess so that's,
0: hard.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of going back to the the bubble of denial everybody lives in, right? So the abuser is feeling something now. Often it can be from their own lack of self confidence or self worth. Maybe their childhood stuff is sort of showing up in this relationship. They feel vulnerable, um, and so so here's an. Uh, you, you may have heard the term negging before. N e g g i n g, and and it's a great word to describe this thing, which is it's an act of emotional manipulation where the person gives you this sort of passive aggressive or backhanded compliment that would normally supposed to feel good. Right. But it undermines the other person and their confidence. And now they need you to approve of them again. So you are you're literally creating a place. And this is how the abuser maybe doesn't know they're going down this road is they're getting they're getting what they want by doing this. They're getting a little more attention. They're getting that feeling of power. They're getting that they're wanted or needed or important. And this is the technique they're using to get it. Maybe they don't know it's all wrong, but they are getting rewarded for it. Some do. Some know they're being manipulative. Um, Absolutely. But there's a lot of people who just have learned to be manipulative because they grew up in the home they grew up in or the schools they went to, or that's how I get that's how you get ahead in the world and they just are doing those things and maybe not recognizing that it's, it's actually abusive. Um, so, okay. So there's other things I'm just going to sort of summarize, but just refusing to communicate sort of that cold shoulder ignoring kind of thing, uh, is a powerful psychological abuse. Um, you know, being provocative with members of the opposite sex, using sarcasm, jealousy like we talked about extreme moodiness mean jokes they make fun of you things like i love you but you know those kinds of things withdrawal of affection lots of guilt guilt trips isolating you from family using money to control the other person is a a pretty common one controlling the bank accounts or how the money is spent um and constantly calling or texting when you're not with him that's another one um and we this a whole another episode but just you know types of attachment. There's three kind of main types of attachment. We talk about anxious, avoidant, and secure attachment. And when a couple is healthy and in a secure attachment, they aren't afraid the other person's leaving them, or they don't ignore the other person. And those attachment styles often get sort of created as a young person. And so that's a fun area of research. If you're wondering, like, I wonder why my relationships are Always like this. Go Google <laughs> attachment styles in relationships. You'll be amazed. Okay, so that's a lot of the the behavior of an abuser, at least the psychological abuser. Um, and then we get into the 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 violent abusers, and you know that's a whole nother ball game of yeah control and threat and you know punishment. Yeah, I, I
0: think this this yeah we can we can maybe skip that part. I, yes. I'm really interested in in hearing. What people who are in those relationships can do, and pers- maybe selfishly, what people who are not and who witness them, as we were talking about earlier, uh, can yeah. do to help.
1: Yes. Okay. So let's let's first talk. And if again, another trigger warning. But these are the common responses that people who are being abused feel. So sometimes it's it's like, well, he does this and this and this. But you know, that's hard to. Um, always be aware of because we can we can rationalize it away or there's an excuse well he's had a rough day or you know whatever but if you check in with how you actually experience the world as a victim potentially as a victim that helps so here's here's a couple questions to ask yourselves um do you feel as if you are on an emotional roller coaster in your relationship is your partner loving and tender one minute and explosive the next mm. so that is a big sign where you feel like it's just Sort of up and down. Um, Here's another one. Do you know, in quote, know what you have to do to keep your partner from hurting your feelings? So if you think about that, that is, do you know how to behave in such a way to try to keep him or her cool and happy and not being mean to you?
0: Yeah, if, if the answer is no there, it feels. And again, I have been in relationships where I think it wasn't so far from this. If you mm-hmm. don't know how to act to to be uh, uh, like to keep them from being abusive or to to feel. Yeah, yeah that that's weird. That's should, yeah. that shouldn't be like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then here's another one. Do you end up pushing his or her buttons anyway because of something very small you forgot to pay attention to?
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, you know, your wife's big button you could push. And that would be a conscious like, Rrr. but this is, you've covered every base. You're so careful, but maybe you forgot to, you know, shut a drawer. Um, and now that's a button hit that's pushed. So if you know uh, that you, you have to memorize all the things to keep that person happy, that's, an, that's a really big sign. Um, another one is, do you miss your friends and family? Are you spending less time with them than you have in the past? Does it usually, I mean, that is a textbook quality of an abusive relationship. You are more and more isolated from the people who would be concerned about you and care about you. Um, another one is, do you feel unfaithful or guilty and you're not sure why? Mm. And that's typically that jealousy piece, right? So if the abuser is jealousy is their, one of their main feelings, they will accuse you of all the things and you will feel guilty and like you're bad and you've done something wrong, but you you're confused because you didn't actually do it. Anything. Mm. Uh, another one is: Do you smile more when you are around your partner in order to keep the peace? So pretend it's okay, kind of mm. thing. Um, are you nervous to bring friends or family into your relationship? You don't want anyone to meet them. Um, do you feel like you're not capable of making good decisions? Do you feel unworthy and do you feel trapped? Yeah. So if those things are happening,
0: if some you need of those things are happening, not all of them
1: not all of them, but they're very connected, most okay. of them, right? And and if you feel the beginnings of these things, like if we're catching anybody at the beginning of this development, um, it's it's crucial that you stop and seek someone someone's help to help you, whether it's a professional or talk to somebody you've known a long time and trust and care about what they think about what's going on, you know, before you go further down the road. Because this is, it's like, truly a roller coaster. Once you're on, it doesn't stop very easily. So it's it's crucial if you're feeling any of this and before it gets any further, because uh, typically the person, your partner doesn't think they're abusive. They may need help just knowing how to communicate, knowing what to do with their shame or their pain from another part of their life that they're taking out on you, right? Nobody is ultimately all bad. And no one's all victim to some extent, right? We all are playing these different roles. But eventually those roles get really warped, and you turn into the abuser and the victim. So yeah. earlier intervention the better
0: so um, um, it, so you you did you did say it, but I want to uh, make sure. So you say talk to someone, which is something again, we hear all the time. Maybe yeah. some people are uncomfortable or don't have access to a, you know, a, a mental health professional. Just even yeah. talking to a friend whom you trust and saying, so this is what happens and this is how I feel. What do you think? Like, is this normal? Is the thing to do.
1: It's the thing to do. And if you feel like there's no one you dare say that to even though you have loving friends and family, then you're already in a problematic relationship. It means you're already scared to talk. So Mm. in those cases, or even if maybe you don't have a close friend you're ready to share this with, the internet is a powerful place for good and evil, right? But there is a (laughs) lot of resources available to you. So I would recommend spending some time reading about it. Um, There is some great books out there. In fact, there's one that's on the top of my... Head and i'm forgetting it is why does he act this way i think or why is he this way i'll i'll look it up before we go or give it to you later for the notes but okay. some some great ways to understand more about this so what is why doing does he
0: do pop, that popping
1: the bubble why, why well? does he okay. do that
0: is that the, why does, why does he so. do that is that the title of the book
1: i i'd have to google it really inside the minds the... of
0: angry and controlling men
1: yes that's it why does he okay. do that Thank okay.
0: You. All right. <laughs> it just you sounded
1: go. so easy when you said it. Like, that can't
0: be right. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so what I is, is, and that one is great, of course, if the the man is the problem in the relationship. Um, but this idea of getting yourself self-educated initially is really important because what it does is popping the bubble. The bubble of, and the cycle of, oh, I'll just do this and I'm not, and isolated and mm. I'm alone. I'm the only one. It's my fault. It's I'm the bad one. Um, And that's part of that power, right? You're not alone. This has happened a million times. It will happen a million times more. There are so many other people who have been through these things. And there are so many resources. There's plenty of men and women who have been through these things that have written blogs, written books. Um, So to start with educating yourself, if there's no other option besides Googling, then start with Googling Mm, and and find out, you know, and, and here's where it gets tricky, is that, Let's say it's serious and you are—it's destroying you because ultimately it, it does, and that's the thing we know. These these relationships don't just get fixed on their own; they don't just magically get better. Um, maybe someone's been hit on the head and they changed their personality or something, but rarely is this ever ever ends without it almost destroying the victim psychologically, mm. especially right, or it can end in death and. A crime. I mean, there's, there's obviously very severe places where this ends. Um, and, or the, the victim just diminishing completely. Um, and so there's no good end to this besides getting help. And often that includes leaving or leaving and then getting help. Um, and so you say, okay, we're talking about the severe cases, right? You're not going to interrupt your Brother and sister-in-law, whether arguing over a dinner to say you guys are abusive and, you know, (laughs) I don't think you're going to probably jump in right there. But this is where when you have a friend who is it's clear this relationship is not healthy for them. They may have even given you some ideas of like I maybe not okay or it's not okay. What what? And I'm going to ask you first, Patrick, what is your initial thought of what to do? Let's pick somebody in your life. (laughs) You can make them up, and they're in this kind of relationship. What is your first sort of gut response?
0: Yeah, I, I think obviously, as I said, I'm a little bit older now, but my a few years ago it would have been to tell them to stop or leave um, okay. and 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 try to, it's funny uh, in a bilious club uh, related way, to show them the facts of Mm -hmm. the negativity of their relationship because obviously when they know the facts when they know the truth and the reality of the situation they will come they will come to the (laughs) logical conclusion and make the right decision right
1: yeah because logic got them into this
0: (laughs) obviously (laughs) yeah
1: no no and so you are describing pretty much all of us right that and and I, I mean, I do this for a living and I still have to just smash that part of me that wants to go, mm. okay, I'm going to go pick you up in my car and fly you somewhere and hide you. And that, you know, like mm. it, that rescue and telling him what to do is our, our two biggest urges to rescue and tell him what to do. And here's why, and I want everyone to memorize this. When you do that, you are just one more person controlling them and that's whether that's your intent it doesn't matter that is how it feels it feels like additional abuse and di- additional control the reason is because you're telling them in so many words they are not trust they can't be trusted with their own decisions their own i mean you're just repeating it what that they're not smart enough they don't know what to do they have no power i know what's best for you of course you don't mean that but that's what's coming across right yeah. So there's a couple things we can do. You got to fight that urge, number one. Um, and then, well, first of all, if you do do that urge, they will avoid you. That you will become the enemy, mm. right? And they will just go further and further towards their partner, and because there's no one else, right? So you will have the exact opposite thing you want to have happen. So a couple things to think about. Number one is, and you got to maybe work through this before you sit down and talk to them about withholding all judgment and being very, very gentle. So you're gentle, you're not judging, and you're listening and you believe them, right? Mm. So sometimes we want, and maybe, Patrick, for you, it's very analytical, right? Like they're going to say, well, he did it. And you're just like, what? No, you know, you could just find yourself going, this is an intellectual discussion when really it's, you're talking to a very wounded, small animal right Mm. and logic doesn't help you know none of those things help but
0: sort of I I think one of the one of the issues is that again tell me if I'm wrong but I I feel like the person you're talking to when they're telling you that seems okay I think if they were coming to you looking like what you're describing looking like a small wounded wounded animal telling you you know this is what you would be like oh my god are you okay like but yeah. they're talking to you, they, f- they seem normal, and like, what? Right. What are you talking about? That's, this is unacceptable. You should do this and that, like it. Right. Mm, yeah. yeah,
1: they just, maybe their eyes are dead and everything else looks fine. And yeah. you're like, okay, something is going on. Yeah. What do I, yeah, you're exactly right. That's what makes it difficult. But here is where, when they do give you information and you are, you know, it, it, it's the question you just ask, which is, are you okay? Yeah. And then listen. And believe them. So uh, here's some just stock things to say that are, and and you'll notice a theme here. It's, I'm sorry this is happening to you. I know it's complicated. It's not your fault. You don't deserve this. This doesn't change how I feel about you. So you just give them that you get that this is so hard and complicated. You might really think this is easy. Get away from him. Mm but it is not, it is complicated. So if you are empathizing with the part of them that is really torn and, and reminding them, it doesn't change how you feel about them knowing this. You love them just the same. You are actually doing the opposite of control. You are reinforcing their autonomy and that you care about them and that, you, that it's complicated. You're, you're really just saying like, you're actually smart enough, this is complicated. I'm sorry it's happening to you. Um, because mm-hmm. when it's unsolicited intervention, it just comes across as disrespectful and controlling. And they're going to then have to decide to take action. I mean, they have to decide to take action, mm-hmm. to leave, to get help. No one's going to do it for them. And you, you might believe you can, but especially if it's another adult. Obviously, if this is like a 17-year-old daughter of yours, there's, you have a little more power. But, um, but you can still make those same mistakes.
0: Mm. um so if, so god if if uh you ask them you think you know it's uh, not you think it's obviously they're in a weird relationship not okay and you think they're not doing well and you ask them hey are you okay and they tell you yes it's fine then you have to wait until they can tell you that they're not okay or or open the door you you can't force yeah. your right okay
1: unless you ask a couple more emotional questions you might open that door anyway right mm. um, i can i can't not do that so i don't know what normal people do in a conversation My, <laughs> what i would be doing would be saying like you know you seem tired or you know like you know kind of just empathizing with
0: mm. and then maybe rough, it turns into talking about
1: you yeah
0: then it turns into yeah you know actually i am tired and there's this and it might lead to Right, them opening right. up a little bit yeah mm.
1: and i think most of us have a tendency i have the opposite tendency because of many hours of doing this um where i feel the pain and i move towards it mm. and most of us we're at a coffee shop with a buddy and we sense their pain and we're going
0: hey, oh do did you did you see the last uh, dc movie yeah. like yeah. yeah
1: so how do i run from that pain as quickly mm. as possible in these kinds of situations it'll just make them feel more abandoned and left alone. So mm. be careful that you're not prodding and then running away. Right. right. Um, but that you are, are really going to listen. So, so here's a, here's a way to say, cause you know, they need to probably get help and they probably maybe even need medical attention. Um, and so you're going to want to tell them to do that. You have to do this. And we do that out of all of our mother instincts, right. And all of our, get, be careful and be safe instincts. And those are good instincts, but they backfire here. So it might look like, are you open to getting medical attention or calling a hotline or going to the police or talking to an attorney? Like, are you, op- you're asking a question rather than telling them what to do. Ask him if they're open to that. Mm. And then they may say no, or they may mm. say maybe, but I don't know what to do. You know? So you're, 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 you're putting it to them, trotting them yeah Mm. prodding them with questions and listening right Mm. um and here's the thing you can offer all the help you want but they have to choose it the only time in every country and all the listeners are going to have different numbers to call and reasons you know resources for this but you don't just offer and say well i guess you don't want my help if you are witnessing the violence that Mm. is when you need to call immediately Mm -hmm. and you know like say you're out together and you know, she starts hitting him over the head with something, Mm. call the police, call, you know. Um, But when you're asking for help, so that's an exception there, but if you're asking them what you can do, right, because don't you always feel that, like, what can I do? What can I do Mm. for you? They don't know what to say. Mm. What are they going to say? Come and tell them to be nice? I mean, (laughs) they they don't know how to answer your question. Uh So instead of saying, like, you know, what can I do? Say something like, you're not alone. People care about you and Mm -hmm. I want to help. Um, do you want me to identify resources, go with you, watch your kids? Um, you know, you're off, you got to think of some ways and they will then hear the thing that will probably help them and that they're willing to have you do. But if you just say, well, let me know if you need anything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're going to go. And and, Am I correct in
0: thinking that it might take a little while before it gets through? Like it, you say it and then they're like, ah, it's fine. Like, oh no, it's okay. It's nice. But, but then a few days, a few weeks later it percolates and and it gets through and they're like, you know what, actually maybe this or that is that. Yes, yes,
1: absolutely. And here's where that, this is how you practically do that is it's very important to check on your friend frequently. Mm. Um, Months going by and not chatting with someone you know is in a really abusive relationship means lots can happen, and no one will know. Um, and so it's just that you're being a friend and you're sending texts and calling and emails. But be careful because often those partners are monitoring their behavior. Mm. So ask things like, "Is it a good time to talk? And they will they they are protecting themselves all the time. They will find a good place, a safe place to talk. Um, when they're ready to talk, but you be the one that's reaching out because they are spending all their mental energy surviving this. Mm. Um, and also, you do not want, to, if best you can, to make yourself the enemy because the abuser will then banish you out of everything and or target you. So you've got to be careful there. Um, okay. And I have one last one. I'll tell sure. you real quick. the The last thing is to plant the seeds of change by sort of gently telling them that help and guidance is available. So. If you're yelling at them to get a lawyer and go to the doctor and call their therapist, um, you know they're not going to hear that so much as the empathy that comes with. This happens to a lot of people. Help is available when you're ready. It's you know, when you're ready, yeah. I'll I'll be with you. Here's the there's a phone number at least in the United States for a, a a national domestic violence hotline, and you can call that number. You know there are shelters for you to go to. I mean it, it's you're you're like a resource, and you're doing it gently without telling them what to do but that there's all this and you're not alone this has mm. happened before there's lots of help available
0: is there, okay so this is a really difficult question and we're going to yeah. end of this but on this but um, is there a point or a moment where you've tried all you can and you've said I'm available and you know what you know I can do this or that or have you thought about maybe talking to someone do you think you, you would like to or and they're like no it, no and stop annoying me and they just don't want to accept the help is there a point at which you're like i i can't do anything and they have to come to me and so like saying it harshly is is there a point where it's okay to give up for the time being maybe but
1: right and and maybe that you back it up and you're more of playing the friend role and you're still available and Mm. that type of thing is probably the best thing you can do um, because then they know where you are when they are ready. Mm. Um, Don't Don't underestimate the one voice in their life that says you're safe over here. If you ever need anything, because there will come a night where he's choking her or slapping her or, you know, someone's chasing them down with, I mean, there's always another dramatic level that it will go to. And so, Giving up is not the right idea. More of backing up and, and being available. But again, like all people, you're human and you're feeling their pain and it's distressing to you and this is scary. So you need to make sure you're okay too. You're not the savior of the world. You're not gonna fix this. You're not, you know, you are a friend trying to do the right thing. So to be careful for for your own sake as well, that yeah. it doesn't become now you're in a toxic relationship dynamic with this person because you're trying to rescue them now and everyone has different ethical sort of guidelines i personally if i know of there of any violence and um, abuse going i have a as as my licensure and you know the ethics of my profession i call um a hotline i call my uh, social work association board i call the police i i don't have a choice i just mm. call um, That's when can, you
0: when you know for a fact that there is physical violence.
1: Yes, and here's the thing: every every country is going to be different with how they investigate these types of things. Mm. But but what happens if this is a good friend of mine? I have a lot more tools to help them um, prior to having to do this. But let's say I see my neighbors outside punching themselves each other in the face. I'm going to call the police. The police are going to come. Maybe my neighbors will never talk to me again. That's high likelihood, right? Um, And so that's part of that challenge of what line do you finally draw to, to ask for help to come in that's outside of you. Um, And so you, everyone has to sort of decide where their line is. Um, In fact, my line is just easy. I just don't, I ethically don't have a choice. And so I don't have to Mm. spend any energy deciding. And I think, most people do have to spend that time going, what do I do? How do I help? What, you know? And so this, this can be very taxing. So make sure you have support. Make sure you're reading up on things. Make sure you're okay and knowing where your limits are um, in being the helper because this, yeah. this is tricky and this is why it's so private and silent and, yeah. and it crosses every single boundary on, in humanity. It, this doesn't happen more or less with poor or rich people. It doesn't happen more or less be, depending on your country, race, whatever. Like higher stress situations, maybe there's more occurrences of this type of thing. But it just, it it, it can be everywhere. Um, and it's it's very much hidden, as we know. And mm. so it's tricky.
0: Well, that was <laughs> I'm a, that happy a happy note. hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do feel like you're talking about the... Y- y- The ultimate result of all of this is physical violence. From my experience, I've never, I guess, really seen that, not much. But there's still distress, which all of this can be super useful in addressing. And that is also real harm being done. Um, And the feeling of being trapped is so true.
1: Yes. And the harm being done, you know, the victim, it takes a long time. To sort of get back to a, a healthy place about your own self, right, and then let alone in another relationship. And so, the earlier intervention, the better. And mm. you know that that's just, yeah. I think, goes without saying.
0: Well, what I have learned today is that my wife is so much uh, more clever than I am because uh, <laughs> she knows a lot about what you uh, <laughs> so uh, talked about, and my instincts were are always to do the the, the the instinctual thing, but she does <laughs> me that way. Um, right? All right. Well, thank you very much. That was super interesting. I hope that uh, the people listening got something out of it. Even if you don't know anyone who's in that uh, kind of relationship, at least you understand these kinds of things a little bit more. Um, Wendy, where can people find more of what you do online?
1: Yes, so uh therapythursdays.com but I am terrible at that but I have started a new <laughs> thing uh, with a friend of mine she's a athlete and a nutritionist and we are doing uh, it's like a health a health challenge, but it's not like what you think of. When you think mm-hmm. of like, lose weight, and work out every day, it's more like real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it's at realsteps.org, and you can read about it, sign up if you're interested, and it's a month-long thing, and, and how it works is everybody pays 50 bucks, and then we pick two to four people where we do, uh, so everyone is subsidizing these two to four people mm-hmm. who will get full therapy, nutritional counseling and then the rest of the group does all sorts and they get all the same stuff just not the individual treatment so anyway we've done one round it was a blast and we're going to do another one so go to realsteps.org that's a great place to find me or you can email me there as well as therapy thursdays if you have any questions and that's where i'm at
0: perfect thank you very much i will include the link to this in the show notes um and for me it's not patrick not patrick one word on uh, twitter instagram and facebook instagram in particular i'm using a little bit more these days uh, <laughs> and if you want to support the show you can do so at uh, patreon.com slash the club the link is in the show notes it's an easy way and very quick way to support what uh, what i do and if you enjoy the show if you get something out of it please maybe consider uh, signing up thank you very much to all of those who already do uh, thank you again to Wendy, and we will talk to you in about a couple of weeks for a regular episode with people from around the world. Bye.